How's life working for you? It's good. Yeah, went through went through the low point earlier this week emotionally, but I think everybody's figured out that food's still going to be in the grocery stores and stuff like that. So we're on full we're on necessity only lockdown here, but for the most part it's you know not my life really isn't that different. I work all day and then I and then I go to sleep. So not much has changed for me. My family is a different story, of course, but. Well, tell us as much as you feel uh, comfortable telling us. You know, there was something that was discouraging for you and, and yet you're hard at work, so that's gotta be encouraging. Yeah, let me go close my door. Hold on one second. Otherwise the rest of the rest of the house has to hear all uh, everything. So yeah, I think the, um, it was really precipitated. I went to the store, I think it was Monday night and it just sort of felt apocalyptic to your earlier point. Everybody in the store had a look of panic about them and, you know, was clearly avoiding everybody. It just didn't feel natural at all. And came home from that and I was just like, well, I probably picked up this virus while I was at the store and just churned on that for the next two hours and started working my way through all of the all of the dominoes that would fall if I got really sick. And, you know, came out of that and created a, which I think was a good thing, created like a DR plan for the family, a disaster recovery plan that is. And just did a bunch of stuff the next morning, you know, preparing myself for death and, you know, made sure Shelly had access to all of the financial accounts and just all this craziness and spent a bunch of time the next day reading all the news. And then, yeah, just by the end of that day, I felt like, so this would have been Tuesday, I was just in a really bad spot and didn't sleep much the next night, woke up on Wednesday and I was just like, you know, what? I can't, I can't do that anymore. I can't read the news. I can't, it's just not productive <clears throat> and just decided to stay away from all of the news and look at what needed to be done on the work front and get back to work. And that was somewhat productive on Wednesday. And then yesterday I had a really great day. The business, you know, my company took a major hit when all of this happened. We had a bunch of deals in the pipeline that all just went to zero, but it was just a, it was an abrupt end to everything that we do. And uh, so we've been trying to figure out much like all of you trying to figure out where we go next. What are the, where's the opportunity in all of this? And what are things, how can we serve the same group of customers that we already know with different products and services? And so that's what we've been working on this week is just designing some new stuff that we can start selling into people we already know and much easier to sell things to people you already know than try and go get new business, especially in this environment. So that's the mode we're in and yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. What is the, so what are you pivoting to? What, what did you do just to be clear with the students here and then what are you, what are you pivoting to? Yeah. So the, a lot of what our company does is when one company is getting ready to buy another one, we provide, if it's a software company, we provide 
will work on behalf of the buyer and do, do and provide due diligence on all of the technology, the engineering team, all of the processes for the company that's being acquired. So we go in and do a fairly deep dive uh, into the company and look at everything that's going on, including all the software and stuff like that. And so as you might imagine, investors get really twitchy uh, in periods like this. So all of the deals basically came to a, all of the deals that were in motion came to a screeching halt. And, but what's become more important is for existing portfolio companies for the investors, there's a huge concern around security and all of this with everybody starting to work remotely. You have a much bigger attack surface area when everybody goes remote and starts including, you know, putting their work computers on their home network and you just get out into all of these new risks. And for companies that aren't used to working remotely, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong. People get very unproductive if they're not used to working on their own. So we are doing a couple of things where we've partnered with a security firm and are doing a series of webinars on how to secure your company in this context. And we're going to be sending that out to all of the investors that we know we're doing the first one next Wednesday. And then following that, we're offering some security consulting for companies that want it. And that will turn into, we think, engagements around helping companies secure their networks better and things like that. So it's really about, I think in what I've learned in periods like this before is that people are hesitant to spend money and get more hesitant. Every business starts conserving cash in environments like this, because if you run out of money, you know, the saying goes, a business can survive anything except running out of money. So everybody gets really conservative. So it's difficult to get people to part with cash. So this is really a, a time to build relationships and build more trust with the community that we serve and the customers that we serve so that when things free back up, we're even more a trusted resource for what we do. So how would you suggest that people in a similar situation as you pivot? So something isn't working, a change needs to happen. You're looking to somehow find a hole in the market that you can still address. How did you make the pivot and what do you, what, what can we learn from that? Yeah, I think the, what's always, what's always worked for me is, and I've, I've stubbed my toe a number of times, but I think the thing that's consistent, if I look back on the things that work is that getting in front of customers and just listening to what the problems are is the most valuable thing you can do. So if you have a product that does X, and nobody needs X, you know, is there a way to bend the product to do Y, which is what they really need in the new context. So that's really what we're doing. The purpose of these webinars and the follow on free, you know, 30 minute consulting thing is just to get time in front of customers to understand where the pain is. And invariably when you have a conversation about one thing, lots of other things come up. So the most valuable thing is spending time talking to customers about what's going on in the business and where the pain is. And then, then looking at the, you know, the toolkit that you have and applying that toolkit to the problems that the, that these customers have. So 
that to me is I'm a simple person. That's just the only thing that's ever worked for me. There's people that are a lot better at it, uh, a lot smarter. They can see trends in the market and go after them. I have to sort of go at what go at it with a club. So, so you're an entrepreneur who has worked in startups and is now uh, as an entrepreneur working uh, to help others in the startup uh, culture and. Maybe you could just speak to the students about what it is that, that has helped you in the past that you're applying in this season. Yeah, I think the, so the number one thing, and it, as I was telling the story about this week, I think the number one thing is honestly just being willing to get out of bed and go to work. It's, I can always, I think, it's one of the things that's always worked for me is the willingness to work harder than anybody else and to not let whatever's going on environmentally determine what the outcome is. Uh, so I'm, I'm willing to do what it takes. And especially, you know, I'm the only breadwinner in my family. So there's a lot of pressure on that. But for me, I sort of turn that into a challenge. But I think that's the the number one thing, if I look at everybody I know that's successful, and it even happened this week as I was having conversations with people, when I asked, you know, hey, how are you doing? What are you, how are you handling all of this? The people that I admire, the people that are really successful, every one of them said, yeah, we're going to get through this. It's going to be better on the other side. I'm putting my head down and going to work and doing what I know how to do, and we're going to be better on the other side of it. And you know, the ones that will fail in this are the ones that look at everything going on uh, and get doom and gloom and let that overtake them. And, and, that, and then, you know, that devolves into inactivity and sort of sitting around and waiting for something to happen as opposed to being active. Let me open it up now for the students to ask you uh, their questions. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, so I've asked a handful of the mentors this question already, and you sort of touched on the answer, I think, a little bit. But what are you seeing as far as your business and other businesses you're working with? And what are the things, what are the ways that they're not handling this crisis well? Maybe some ways that they are, hand, like companies that you are seeing it handle well, or just ways that they're handling things I think the, it's a hard question, but I think the number one thing I would say is just a willingness to look for the opportunities as opposed to retrenching. So, you know, if you prepare your, if you think about these things ahead of time, I do a lot of reading of the Stoics and the Stoics always talk about this idea that you shouldn't be surprised by anything that happens because everything that's happening today has happened at some point in history. And, and these things are all going to happen again. So I spend a lot of time thinking when it's not happening about what I'll do when it might happen. I think businesses that will struggle anticipate that everything will always be as good as it has been for the last five or six years. And they're not thinking about what does it look like when things go the other way. There's a lot of companies that are going to struggle. They've taken on a bunch of debt. You know, they're running right at the red line. And so they don't have any margin to absorb a couple of months of downturn or whatever this turns into. So that's one thing that comes to mind immediately is just thinking about what might happen and how you would react in these kind of situations. The good, the good companies always are thinking about those kind of things. It's not a doomsday mindset like 
when when is the sky going to fall? But it's just if it does, how might we react? Did I answer your question? Yeah, that's really good. Thank you. So you mentioned like security for um, businesses that are now going remote. Do you think that market's going to get flooded or do you think that's a place that's good for someone to say, so like, I have no experience with cybersecurity, but in the next three months, is that a possibility that I could learn in three months, crank it out and then start working over the summer? What do you think on that? Yeah. So interesting question. I think my guess is if you haven't done it up to now, that's a that's a fairly deep pond to jump into and try and be an expert in in three months. I don't think you'd have much credibility. Um, yeah, that's my that's my knee jerk. I think it's it's a really tough business to step into. And the, I guess the other the other way to look at it is um, so there's. I think there's two ways to look at the problem. The one is, hey, what's everybody screaming about? The other is, what am I good at? And what are all of the areas that I can apply that in as opposed to having to learn something brand new and try and go do that? I think you're probably much better off trying to find something that fits what you're already good at if you're trying to work, trying to figure something out in that short of a window. That's my initial thought. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Yeah, I have a question. What do you think is going to happen to like custom software and consultant firms in the next couple of months? Will their business change? Will it decrease, increase, or where do you see software going? <sighs> yeah, so it's a good question. I actually was thinking about this the other day. There's a company that I've worked with that a guy I know is getting ready to buy one of those kind of companies and the transaction stalled because nobody's sure what's going to happen on the other side of it. My own opinion is there's still going to be a huge shortage of talent whenever this thing, whenever we get to the other side of it. And um, assuming that some companies go through big layoffs, which some will, then you know, restarting and having to rehire, I feel like there's an opportunity sitting there to, to in contract software development and similar areas where you can serve the customer, you can serve an immediate need while they're maybe looking for long-term hires again. I don't think that, I don't think that's going anywhere. It may change a little bit and there may be a bit of a dip, but my, my initial th read on it is uh, there's gonna be opportunity where companies are more willing to bring on contract resources near term and while they figure out what it looks like to kind of re-engage full-time. That's my, that's my take. Hey Scott, as a follow-up to that one, so it, it's pretty likely we're going to see major layoffs. I mean, across the board, it's going to hit software development too. Do you think in the re, I mean, this is a what if statement, but if we're going to follow second order effects, so if they lay off a lot of developers in the states, do you think they're going to look to the states to rehire? Or do you think a lot of these jobs are going to go international for cheaper wages? Yeah, I don't. I think everybody still has. There's some people who are comfortable with that model and some people who aren't. <laughs> and there are businesses that are set up to hire people from Spain and, you know, Ukraine and India. And there's businesses that aren't. And... <clears throat> going from a company that isn't to a company that is, 
especially if you're of any size, is pretty difficult. You're just not set up to work with people that are seven or eight time zones away. And so yeah, I don't I don't think there's gonna be this huge push to push jobs back overseas. That doesn't feel like that to me. It doesn't feel like there's a structural sort of problem like there was in 2008 or now it may turn into one by the time this is all over, but it's not, it feels like, you know, financial markets aren't leading us into this like it, like it was before. So it feels like the bounce back will be pretty, will not be as bad. And my own take is I think, first of all, any companies that do big layoffs, I think they'll likely, you know, they're going to keep the best people. And, you know, so maybe some of the, the folks that were in the bottom 20% of companies struggle to get rehired or something like that. But yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think this is a, the market was already, you know, it was negative unemployment and software development already. There was 5 million open jobs or something like that worldwide. So it's hard for me to imagine that, you know, that that just goes away and that we're, sort of back to real unemployment. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic. I have one question if you don't have a follow-up, Josh. Cool, also hello. In regards to so like what, the trends that you're seeing in the tech space, like thinking three, six, 12 months of where things are happening, in relation to us, so we're here taking computer science classes, some are interested in going into engineering, like what things should we be looking for in terms of opportunities and trends and being watching? And what things should we start building up skills like right now and like even through the summer that'll prepare us for what you can kind of project will come? So I'm, not, I'm, definitely, not a, I'm definitely not a great guy at calling the ball. You know, I don't think there's a, I guess the, my first comment is I don't know that something that's going on for three or six months, I wouldn't call that a trend. So it's not something that a trend to me is like something that happens over a number of years. So there may be a short term bump, but similar to what I uh, said earlier, I would just sort of stick to the, you know, keep learning the things you're interested in, keep working toward the things that you are, you know, you're good at and, um, and sort of, and then go find the opportunities for those things as opposed to, you know, there's going to be all sorts of, um, I guess, activity around trying to dig our way out of this thing. But long-term, you know, long-ish term, you know, the rest of this year into next, what do you want to be doing? And those opportunities are going to be there. And so if that's in cybersecurity, if you're really interested in that space, then you know, what that looks like is you're spending a lot of time trying to hack machines. You're doing all of the work that's required. So you can sit in an interview or sit in front of somebody and, ha and be credible about it. And same would, be, same would be true of software development. So that's my thought. I don't know if I answered your question. That's good. Thank you. This is just a random question. Um, just curious on, do you foresee that there's going to be some sort of rise or a massive decline in the number of startup entrepreneurs? So historically, so this is the, I guess, in my working life, this is probably the third of these kinds of events. The 
dot-com crash of 99, 2000. You had the thing in 2007, 2008, and then this. And what tends to happen is that there tends to be more business started, more businesses started in a downturn because A, people are out of work uh, and are scrambling to try and find, you know, they need to find a way to make a living. And so, you know, a lot of times necessity is the mother of invention as as the saying goes. So a lot of times people that would never thought have thought about starting a company take the opportunity to, to try and, you know, while they're looking for work, they may start working on an idea or get together with somebody else and, and think about starting a company. And, and in all the investor calls I had this past week, just trying to figure out how they're thinking about it, every single one of them said, companies started, started in a downturn are some of the best companies to invest in because once the downturn ends, there's huge upside if you bet on the right company. So, so there's investor appetite. There's a ton of money to be invested. Once everybody understands what the environment's going to look like, there's a bunch of money sitting in investor pockets. So I would think there's going to be more rather than less. Is That's how it's always been, uh, at least in the – Seth, I don't know if you would agree with that, but that's what I've seen in the last two. Well, I don't know. I, I think I, I've always looked for opportunity and there's a lot of opportunity now. And I think people that see opportunity are going to dive into it regardless of the risks. Yep. And generally people get more willing to take risk in this kind of environment because you have to. So it's not comfortable anymore. So I think these things are good to just sort of rattle everybody's cage and if you become much more aware of the fact that nothing is, you know, that, com- that comfy job you had really isn't all that comfy. There's no such thing as security in any company. So in spite of everybody saying they're going to take care of their employees, at some point that will end. And so the mythology around, you know, you have a job and you have that job for a long time, people sort of wake up in these periods and are like, huh, well, if I can just be laid off in you know a matter of weeks, Maybe I should, uh, maybe I should think about the world differently and think about how I work differently. So, yeah, that's good. So something we've talked a lot and sort of debated about was obviously with everybody working from home now. Do you see this as something where companies and individuals realize that maybe having an office space that everybody's in all the time is necessary, or and possibly having you know, like working from home, working remotely become more of a thing? Or do you just see people coming back? I don't think there's going to be some big sea change in behavior. I think what it will, what's likely to happen is that companies will be more ready after this to operate this way. So there may be better planning in place and things like that. But the reality is there's just not a lot of companies that are, you sort of have to design that culture from the ground up. And the companies that do it well, that's the kind of culture they've built is you can work from anywhere. And so I don't, it's a big move for a lot of companies to be, and Ian, the other thing is, is that most people don't thrive sitting in their house all day. Most people like being around other people. I don't happen to be one of them, but, but most people uh, like being in a, you know, in a more social setting. It's a lot of what makes them take a job or stay with a company is the social setting around the company. So I don't think that's gonna change. 
<clears throat> Final question for you, Scott, and then we'll let you run. But as a follower of Jesus, how does that make a difference for you and, and maybe your advice for all of us as Christ followers? I think the, what I would go back to, if I talk, you know, if I think back to the beginning of this week, um, I think what it's, what being a follower of Jesus for me does in periods like this is that it sort of resets. There's always an opportunity to reset and be like, okay, I was kind of doing these other things and thinking it would, everything would go along tickety-boo and you sort of start to put your faith in well, business is doing well, we're crushing it, you know, and then you get punched in the face. And so for me, it's a great opportunity to reset and kind of reground myself in the things that are important. And the other thing I would say is it provides a, a tremendous amount of hope and not just the kind of hope that's like, you know, I was watching a sermon last weekend and the context of it was basically you know, well, this world doesn't matter because the next world's all that matters and blah, blah, blah. And I was, it's just not how I see it. You know, there's, uh, heaven is both now and later. And, you know, Jesus is both now and later. And the way that we should operate is both now and later. And the good news is both now and later. So that for me is, that for me is just kind of the thing that I come back to when I start to get really dark is like, Yes, you know, I don't know what heaven is. I don't know what that looks like, uh, but I know what being in great community and being around people like you all, I know what that does. I know what that feels like. I know what it looks like. And that's the thing that when things go sideways, that's the thing that I go back to. I'm just like, oh, this feels like home. And so I don't know if I answered your question. It's good. It's a good answer. And uh, Scott, we love you. And Margaret and your family, and are privileged to do life with you, even at a distance. And Kelson, I, I wonder if you would pray for Scott before we get off the phone. Absolutely. All right, well, Father, thank you so much for Scott. Father, thank you for just the way, just the eyes that you've given him to see the world, and also just his willingness to share it with all of us. So I pray, Father, just for increased safety for his family and for all of his companies and all of that, Father. But I pray, Father, you just continue to pour out hope and you continue to pour out joy and just a positive perspective um, through Scott into his family and to um, everybody around him. So I thank you so much for just the awesome wisdom that you've given him and just the knowledge to be able to apply all of that. So we love you, and then we thank you, uh, Lord, for Scott. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, amen. guys. Keep on keeping Thanks on. Again, Scott. Love you guys. Take care. Thank you.